Hi, I'm Ben Pilgreen, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the bay or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey. The HOPE Project is our annual initiative that funds EPIC strategic partners here in San Francisco and all across the globe for the coming year. We actually launched the HOPE Project in November of 2011 when our church was only nine months old. While it was tempting to wait until we were a little more established as a church before embarking on something like this, we believed it was critical to put it into EPIC's DNA from the very beginning. We wanted to be decisive about the fact that we would not be a church that merely exists for itself. And to date, we have invested over $2 million in churches and nonprofits that are bringing hope here in San Francisco and all over the world. The Hope Project combines two of our epic values, generosity overflows and impact is local and global. As we seek to orient our entire lives around Jesus, we too must keep giving our lives away for the sake of others. Our theme for the 2021 Hope Project is justice and life. In a season where we can be tempted to only care about ourselves and how we're being impacted, it is absolutely essential that we play our part in making a difference in the world. Listen to what Jesus says. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Because of the abundance that Jesus offers us, we don't have to live with a scarcity mindset that keeps us self-absorbed. We actually have a responsibility to bless others by bringing life and seeking justice. Micah 6.8 asks this question, what does the Lord require of you? And here's the answer that's given, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. We can do all of these things together when we give generously and sacrificially to the HOPE Project. We are committed to justice and mercy. One of our visions is to uh, impact uh, every kid at every school in the city of Berkeley, to show them that man, there's a church that loves them. There's a church that's um, committed to helping them in the midst of uh, hard seasons uh, of life. BJM brings life to women and girls. We affirm dignity in other women and in other girls. So, and when you affirm somebody's dignity, it brings life, encouragement, and speaking truth into the lives of the women and girls that we serve is in every aspect of what we do. Saying you are valuable, you are made in the image of God, and you are, you are worthy of love. This is at the core of everything that we do is this kind of encouragement and truth speaking. Through opening your homes as foster families, through supporting foster families with practical, tangible support, through giving financially and investing so that we can get the word out so that there'll be more families, more children welcomed, more biological families prayed for and restored. You are helping to bring justice to the most vulnerable population there in San Francisco County. Our community really works to help support young people in their schools, in their communities, in their families, to help them get to some self-determination where they understand that they have agency over their lives. And so United Play has worked really hard to make sure 
that SOMA is not left out of important conversations when we're talking about resources for schools, resources for young people. We fight justice and poverty by giving people free access to the law. God cares so much for people that he gives them the dignity of freedom. And when we open a case, we will address any and all legal issues someone faces. Those are often really life-changing cases for folks who couldn't otherwise afford it. I truly believe that the relational ministry we do helps create a sense of hope and belonging. The reality of being truly seen as so often our displaced or homeless friends and neighbors on the streets of the Tenderloin are ignored. Here in Romania, we need to bring justice into our uh, society by stepping out and loving the community, loving the place where we live and serving with love and having a lot of uh, community projects. And it's our huge joy just to be able to be a blessing and to be part of bringing justice and showing mercy to those that are at risk. Here's what I'm most excited about for the HOPE Project. There is nothing more satisfying than knowing we are playing some part in what God is doing in the world. Through the HOPE Project, we're going to help people get legal counsel. We're going to provide things for elementary students that they would otherwise go without. And you guys, we get to help make disciples of Jesus in places like Miami, across the bay in Berkeley, over in Ghana, in Vietnam, in Romania, Guatemala, Chile, and beyond. We're getting to bring justice to people who live less than a mile from our church. We're getting to impact foster children through foster care. Imagine what will happen as hundreds of us bring our part. We can multiply the impact, we can multiply the number of disciples, we can make a great difference right here in our neighborhood and literally thousands of miles from here all over the world. Well, for everyone who we haven't seen in a while, and for all of those of you who've never stepped in to Epic, you chose the best day to come. This is who we are, and it's who we intend to be moving forward. When we started our church in 2011, we celebrated 10 years this year, just so you know, we've been in Soma the whole time, but when we started this church, we were excited for what God might build in this new church right here in downtown San Francisco. And yet at the same time, we knew that we had to ask a question from the very beginning, and here's the question, you'll see it on the screen. Will we exist only for ourselves or for others? And you're like, Ben, that's a pretty obvious answer. Well, listen, when you are the partner, so remember when Epic started, 20 churches around our nation were showing videos about us being supported. But from day one, when our church wasn't even a year old, we said, no, no, we can never merely exist only for ourselves. But here's the thing, you've got to answer the same question for your own life. Will you only exist for yourself or for others? And we must keep asking this question as a church, especially over the last couple of years. 2020 and almost all the way through 2021, we have had reason to ask other kinds of questions, haven't we? Questions like this, am I going to lose everything? Are we going to make it? How long is this going to last? And friends, those are reasonable questions, but they are also the kinds of questions that can lead to self-absorption and restrict us to only existing for ourselves. And so I get it, but I'm also wanting to call us out of it. Here at Epic, we're never going to merely exist for ourselves. 
Anybody who cares about more than themselves might say, that's right, preacher. That's right. So much passion for others. If you're out there, we really do care about people. They're just tired. And we demonstrate this most strongly every single year when we launch the Hope Project. And that day, as you just saw, is today. The Hope Project is indeed how we fund our strategic partners here in the neighborhood, throughout our city, throughout North America, as well as around the world. This is how we bring hope and justice and life. It's what we've been doing from day one. And again, we're doing it more now than we've ever done it before. And I want to encourage you not just to have something you can sit on today, but take this with you. A, it's one of the most beautifully designed pieces you've ever seen. B, I want you to read every word. Let this serve as a a prayer guide throughout the year. There's a letter from me, but then for those of you at home, if you don't get one of these this week, please let us know on your Connect card. Give us your address, and we will send one to you, or you can show up next week and receive one. But get to know the people. Get to know the places where you and I, through our giving and through our praying, and at times as the world opens back up, through our going, both locally and globally, we get to make a tangible impact and bring hope to the world. And our goal this year is $300,000. I mean, it is crazy that we've given over $2 million in a decade. That you've given over $2 million in a decade. This past week, I have an annual gathering where, where I meet with church planters. I was one of those church planters, and now I get to be on the partnership side. But we gather in Dallas, Texas every single year sometime in the fall. And that gathering was this past week. And I just want you to know that I got to be with all of our former partners who have planted churches that we've helped, and they're all going. They are all doing well. And I got to be with Ray, who's just across the bay in Berkeley. That's pretty easy for me to be with Ray. But I also got to spend time with Carlos, who you saw in Miami. And I want you to know your impact. It is not just theoretical to stand with Carlos and hang out this week and him say, man, we're 10 weeks in today, and I have experienced every emotion. It's like, man, tell me about that. Tell me about that. And I want you to consider praying about what you will give over and above your regular giving. For those of you who are part of our church, knowing that every single penny goes outside of the doors of our church, this is the easiest vision cast all year long. All year long, this is my easiest vision cast. And feel free to join our staff team and our leaders whom I have asked to give our best gift, if possible, by December the 5th. Leaders always go first. There's a reason that a leader is called a leader. We set the tone right? There's nothing that is produced in the entire community or congregation um, unless there's a group of leaders willing to go first. So leaders, let's step up and let's step in. Anybody excited for the Hope Project? All right. There are some things in life that are easy to explain while others remain a mystery. We've had the same next door neighbors for the last seven years. And these neighbors have always had fruit trees, and they've always been gracious and generous to get some of their fruit to the Pilgrim family. And we're always grateful for it. But this year, their apricot tree went crazy. The apricot tree, it grew so much this year that so many of the branches were on our side of the fence. And Seth Condry can tell you, because he got in an apricot mess one day when he came over to get some apricots. But he can tell you over 100 apricots were on our side of the fence. And I don't know why. Our neighbor, Anna, who has taken care of that tree, she does not know why. But guess what? This year, the Pilgreens produce zero apricots. But I'm not surprised. We have never planted an apricot tree before. Today, I want to talk to you about how spiritual growth works in your life and in the kingdom of God. And I'm calling my message a perfectly clear mystery. A perfectly clear mystery. And here's why. 
Jesus is going to show us today why some of us are growing and others of us simply are not growing. But how we grow and how much we grow and how long it takes us to grow, well, much of that actually remains a mystery. We're in Mark chapter 4 today, verses 21 through 28. I want to ask you to stand with me. The words will be on the screen. If you're new around here, we are a church that believes God has spoken And we want to know what has he said, and after we hear what he has said, we want to ask, what do we do about that? Mark 4, 21 through 28, there's two parables from Jesus. One's going to tell us, hey, it's not a mystery why some of you are growing and some of you are not. The second one's going to tell us, "Uh, it is a little bit of a mystery how that happens. He, Jesus, said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, each of us, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Next parable, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself. Key phrase, all by itself. The soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. A perfectly clear mystery. You can have a seat. Let's look at these one at a time. Jesus is a master storyteller. He's really wanting us to understand what life is like in the kingdom of God. Or to say it another way, Jesus is constantly trying to tell us about reality. I want to say that again, and I want to tell you why this is a huge point that you need to take to heart. Jesus is constantly trying to tell us about reality. And most of us think like, oh, there's this religion thing going on over here, so I show up at church, but then I have my real life. And what I want you to know is Jesus isn't just trying to teach us about religion. As Seth said, I love, man, what God does in our hearts during the week, bro. You know, I got, anyway, it's one-on-one, private love will Public display of affection, I'll save the rest for the one-on-one time. He's trying to show us what reality is. And guys, not just reality about God, reality about everything. How work and rest go together. Why my neighbor had a huge apricot blossom this year. Why your parenting should go best in a particular pattern. How you should do your work. Jesus isn't just trying to tell you about religion. He's trying to tell you about reality. So if he's your Sunday guy, you're missing out. Because he wants to tell you how to spend Sunday and Monday morning and what you do with your finances and what you do with your career and how you flourish as a family and how you make a difference when it comes to life and justice issues. He wants to do all of that. He's just bringing reality to us. Unfortunately, many of us have a worldview that allows someone else or something else to be the determinant in our view of what is real. Right? We, we're letting someone or something else inject reality into our lives. Now, I've said this already. There is so much mystery in the kingdom of God, but Jesus hasn't left us in the dark. Here's the principle I want to give you. It's huge. While God hasn't left us in the dark, we can keep ourselves there. 
Some, this is the word for you. Some of you in your life, let me just give you the picture, and we've all been there. We're sitting in our own corner. We're blaming God for things, and yet we are doing what the person does in this parable. We are lighting a lamp that is God, and we're putting it somewhere where it can't be seen. Jesus hasn't left you in the dark, but you can keep yourself there. Think about this. Jesus has come to bring hope, but you can choose to live in despair. Jesus has come to bring peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Take heart. In me, you can have peace, but you can choose to live paralyzed by anxiety. You can't. Jesus has come as the light of the world, but friends, you know this. You can live in darkness. Jesus has come as the truth, but you can continue to reject that idea and latch your life and your belief onto a set of lies, and it won't matter. It's just like the light in this story. It, it, like Jesus says, do you take a lamp, do you put it under a bowl, or do you put it under the bed? If you do, it will not help you at all. One commentator reflecting on this part of the passage said this, and I love it. Jesus remains hidden from those who refuse to see. So if you come in today with a hard heart, you can walk out blaming the pastor, blaming the kids' ministry, blaming the parking situation, which I do lots of Sundays when it doesn't work. Like you, you can walk out of here, but I just want you to know, if you don't want to see, you won't see. Jesus remains hidden from those who refuse to see. Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? Do you have eyes to see? And ears to hear. One of the best prayers that we can pray on a daily basis is God, give me eyes to see, and God, give me ears to hear. So let's say it together God, give me, and give me. Guys, pray that every day. And you're like, Ben, why is that so important? Because the world, the media, your work, People that work with you, uh, people that you follow on social media, and the devil himself, every one of those groupings, every single day on the hour, they are going to give you a set of eyes and a set of ears, right? And guys, if you, if you don't have God's eyes, if you don't have God's ears to be able to hear what he's saying to you, then you're going to be swept away. And the problem with being swept away is you think you're following the right thing, and it is 180 from the right thing. Give me eyes to see, God. Give me ears to hear, because I live in a culture who's constantly saying, Ben, this is how you should see the world. Ben, here's who you should listen to. And God's going, no, Ben, I've got truth for you. You don't have to live the lie. I've got light for you. You don't have to walk in darkness. I've got hope for you. You don't have to remain in despair. Ben, I have peace. You don't have to be paralyzed by anxiety. And he's saying the same thing to you. The same, the same thing to you. Jesus says in this text, be careful what you hear. Why would he say that? He says, be careful what you hear. Here's why. When you and I hear something, we're now responsible to something. Friends, hearing is for sure the first part, but hearing is never the final part. We must act on what we are hearing. We must act on what we are hearing. So here's the question. What are you doing with what you are hearing from Jesus? What are you personally doing? with what you are hearing. And again, you're like, Ben, I don't even have a hearing pattern. Well, let's get a hearing pattern in our lives to get in the scriptures, to spend time in prayer with God. We want to hear, but friends, what are you going to do with what you are hearing? You see, if you feel good about your spiritual life because you show up at church in person or church online, you've missed the point. 
this is a great place to come and receive and to hear. And if you're hearing it for the first time today, we are, as Atul said, so thrilled that you're here. But we must act on what we hear. Here's what James 1.22 says, really fascinating. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What? Do what it says. What does he mean? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. My greatest concern for you. And you're like, Ben, me? You don't know me. For you and for me is us being deceived. Let me tell you why. Number one, one of the things that Satan is known as is the deceiver. The deceiver. So whatever God's trying to do today, Satan's trying to disrupt. Whatever God's trying to do, whatever step he wants you to take, whatever truth he wants you to latch onto, Satan's going to come in, try to deceive you, and he's going to undermine that truth, right? We can go all the way back to Genesis. He comes to Adam and Eve, and Satan says to them, did God really say? So he's trying to deceive them and go, no, no, what you thought is true isn't true. Let me give you a new truth. You're going to have life. Your eyes are going to be open. It's going to be amazing. And the second reason I have so much concern over us being deceived is this. You see, deception works differently than self-control, right? When I go enjoy a Bob's Donut after the service, I am not being deceived. I am not eating that. What kind do we have? Variety. Great. Chocolate. I'm there, but Bob's makes an amazing apple fritter. Anyway, when I take from that, I am not receiving it, telling myself that this is going to help me lose weight. Can I get a witness? It's not a deception issue. It's a self-control issue. The fear I have about deception is we latch onto something as though it is the greatest truth, and in fact, it's not true at all. And if I can just be honest, while we're friends here with as much pastoral compassion as I have, when I hear some of the things that you guys are saying, when I read some of the things you're posting, I'm like, oh, God, give them eyes to see. They're being led by something, and it's not you. Give them eyes to see. Now, again, if you're being deceived, you don't even know it. So you need someone around you to go, hey, you're a person who knows God's word and trusts God's word. Can you, here's how I'm seeing it. Is, it. is there something off? We need this. We need this desperately. Jesus drives home the same point at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the longest public teaching Jesus ever did. It comprises Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. He says all of these amazing things, right? Great. And then he gets to the end, and he says this in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Seth alluded to it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into... We love practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does everyone, you're included in everyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, that person is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a large crash. Let's talk about the differences from what we just read. What are the differences in their appearances? Absolutely nothing. These two houses appear to be the exact same kind of home. What's the difference in the circumstances that they went through? Because a lot of us are like, oh, I'd be closer to God, but man, the storm came into my life. Both of the individuals and what Jesus just told us, they both go through the exact same storm, the same circumstances. You know what else is no different? They both hear the words of Jesus. 
But what they do with what they hear produces drastically different outcomes. Would you agree? You see, someone's in this community, and you're in this community, and here's some of the, here's some of the things we think. Tell me if I'm lying. Man, I'm at church as much or more than that person is. But it seems like they're growing, and I feel stuck. Here's the question. Are you putting the words of Jesus into practice or just hearing them? I used to think I would just show up at something like this, and there would be, right, there would be this emotional thing that happens in the service, and like, I'm good. A week later, though, guess what, Justin? I'm still here. I walked out and didn't do anything. I, I didn't adjust anything. I didn't change my character at all. I, I didn't change how I used my time. I didn't change my inputs. Are you putting the words of Jesus into practice or just hearing them? So if you don't know, we're in what my friend Atul joked yesterday was a 50-week series on Mark. It is not. It's like 34 or something. So we've been here a couple of months, and we've got, oh, you know, five or six months to go. But, it, but, but what's going to happen throughout these several months together looking at the life of Jesus is that some of you are going to grow by leaps and bounds, and others of you, after these months are over, your life's not going to be any different. It's not going to be any different at all because of what you do or what you choose not to do with what it is that you're hearing. I want my life to be different. In this text, Jesus says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, here comes a huge, no mystery kind of moment. What does he mean? Here's what Jesus means. When you're shown something about Jesus, if you do something with what you've been shown or what you've heard, you're going to get more of Jesus. If you don't, you won't. With the measure you use, remember, be careful what you here, with the measure you use, what? Some people take this into a generosity thing, and that's, it, it could fit, but it, that's the stretch. That's actually not what's going on here. Jesus says, so be careful what you hear with the measure you use. Use what? Use what you hear. It will be measured to you, and here's that phrase, and even more. Those of you who have something, you're going to get even more. Those of you who, others who have something and you don't do anything with what you've heard, you're actually going to lose what you've heard. But we walk, walk around and go, man, God just didn't show up. No, no, you didn't do anything when he showed up the first time. Guys, if you hear his voice today and you just deny it or you silence it or you try to get fixated on something that will have your attention, he's not just going to keep showing up. But there's something ready to be unlocked when I respond to what he's shown me. When I do what he's told me to do, something unlocks. If I don't do what he's already told me, why should he unlock, unlock more for me? So again, some of us in this room, some of you watching either here on Sunday or later during the week, it's not a mystery why you aren't growing. Or it's not a mystery that you are growing. There's a group of you taking what Jesus has said, putting it into practice. Some of us taking what he said and not doing anything with it. It's not a mystery. But in other ways, there's a lot of mystery in the kingdom of God. The second parable says this, the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed all over the ground. And whether he sleeps or gets up, it begins to produce grain. And there's this great phrase there, all by itself. Isn't this how we want all of our jobs to be? Like scatter some seed, go to sleep, stay awake, play, work. It just kind of, anybody have a job like that where it just kind of takes care of itself? 
What a farmer does, at least in this story, we know that farmers work incredibly hard. So I've been told. So it's interesting, this phrase all by itself is only one word in the Greek language that it was written in, and you're going to know this word. Most Greek words, they don't really fit in what are English words, but this word is automate. Automate. Where we obviously, of course, get our word automate or automatic, all by itself. Now, in this parable, the only control that the man, the farmer has is whether or not he scatters seed. That's the only thing that's in his control. After that, everything else is outside of his control. If you and I go up to Napa or Sonoma to visit our favorite wineries, we should do that. Anybody grow up in a church where this trip probably wasn't ever happening? At least you didn't talk about it. But when you get up there, what you're going to learn really quickly is for every winery up there, there are some years that produced a higher quality wine than other years. Everyone's familiar with this. I went out at, okay, let's just, play, let's just have fun here for all of you playing at home. On three, for those of you who are elitist wine drinkers, just tell me your favorite year. And then you can tell me your style too if you really want to, you know, one, two, three. 2012. Shauna, take all the notes down. Whatever you heard. We're going to assume that our friends have the 2000 whatever version they just said. And we would ask them, what did you guys do differently in those years? Did you use a different fertilizer? Did you not get up when the alarm went off and things got too cold in the winter? Did you not prune back the branches that you needed to prune? And they would probably say to all of us, no, no, I've been here the last 20 years. I do it the same way every year. Yeah, there's improvements, there's new technology, but I keep doing what I've always done, but sometimes there's a better quality grape, and sometimes there's more quantity in the grapes, and sometimes we just never know when the harvest is going to come, but we adhere to the same process. Spiritual growth works the exact same way. Guys, it's not going to ever come probably from a single moment. Spiritual growth is not going to happen overnight. And because you're so used to everything happen instantaneously, here's what you do with spiritual growth. When it doesn't happen overnight, you exit the only process that can bring fruit in your life. I'm with you. When I have an idea, I want to see its fulfillment before I go to bed that night. Anybody besides me. And I'm not lying. You're like, really? yeah, I'm serious. Okay, let's be honest. The way I'm wired, when I have an idea, it's done in my mind. Lindsay, if you could lead a team to make sure it all happens. But if you lean in, it's going to happen. And you don't have to know how. Here's how I want to say it. You don't have to know everything about how spiritual growth works to experience spiritual growth. Oh, friends, but if you lean in... Jesus said, abide in me, fruit will come. If you lean in and you stay engaged, here's what's been my own experience um, right now in my life because of what God's done over the last few years. I'm looking back and I'm seeing things, and here's the kind of thing I'm saying. I couldn't see it every day when it was happening. There was growth taking place, but you know, it's like when your kids haven't seen us in COVID world, your, their grandparents for like two years, you know, when they get there, they're going to be like, oh, wow, young man, you're, you're a man. You know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't happen overnight, but I'm looking back on some things in my life, and I'm saying things like this, oh my gosh, I'm more confident than I've ever been before, not in myself, but in God and who he's made me be. 
I'm more gentle. I remember when I was full of anger. I remember when I was harsh, and I haven't gotten this perfect, but I'm so much more gentle than I used to be. I have so much more compassion, and I say things like this. You know what? I don't struggle with lust like I used to. Greed doesn't have a grip on me like it used to. I no longer am filled with pride every time when I show up in a space. God has done something in me, and that will happen for you. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. Give me that phrase at the end. Stop giving up your part. Keep doing good. Hear what Jesus says. Do what Jesus says. You're like, Ben, so he tells me what to do, and I leave him there, you know, like the boss's chair, and I just go and do it. And No, 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 here's what's great. He tells you, here's reality. Here's what you need to do. And by the way, I'm giving you my spirit. I will go with you. And then you hold on. When it doesn't show up overnight, you hold on. When it's not been done in six months, you hold on. When it hasn't happened in a decade, you keep holding on because at some point in time, the harvest is coming to you if you don't give up. Yeah, if you don't give up. Listen, you, it's not up to you how much you grow. When the harvest comes, it is up to you to keep doing what he's told you to do in the power and presence of the Spirit, and you can bank on it. One commentator said this about farmers. It takes a good deal of faith to be a farmer and also a good deal of patience. Spiritual growth is the same. It takes a deep amount of trust. And I remember reading something from Tim Keller. He said, you know, when a farmer would have, like it would be the first, like his first season to ever farm, like the first time doing anything, anxiety, right? The guy's not sleeping. The girl's not sleeping. Whoever it is, they're just not sleeping. Why? Because... They want to keep checking. Anybody love, anybody when you're waiting for that email, you're just like, refresh, 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 refresh. But an experienced farmer, when the new farmer comes to them, like, man, I just don't know if it's going to happen. That experienced farmer puts their arm around and go, hey, I know, I remember 20 years ago when I had my first crop, and I didn't know if it would ever come up from the ground, but I'm telling you, hang tight, young lad. Hold on. Don't give up. Don't abandon, think you chose the wrong vocation. You stay in it, and fruit will come. And the same thing's true in your life. As I gather with these church leaders, some of the best in the nation, no joke. It's one of those when you walk in the room, you're like, what am I doing in the room? But what a lot of us got to talk about that the brand new guys and girls did not get to talk about yet was what happens from longevity. And many of you know this. Like, I had never had a job for more than three years till I had this job. Almost made it four times. But there's something that happens with fruit long-term that will never happen short-term. And there are things that Shauna and I, and even you, if it's your first time here, you're sitting in today because of longevity. Not because we're so faithful, though we've tried to be, but because the one who promised is faithful. So guys, everything I've said today, it comes down to one question. Huge question. Where are you planting yourself? In the parable, the only control the man had was whether or not he would scatter the seed. So what's going into the ground of your life? Are you planting yourself in the practices of Jesus? Or are you planting yourself in the word of God? I mean, yes, we've got to do more than just hear, but it always starts with hearing. Hearing leads to doing. Are you planting yourselves in a life-giving community of filled with people who are trying to pursue Jesus? And you may say to me, Ben, of course, I'm watching online or I'm here in the room. Listen, attending something is very different than planting yourself in the ground of something. 
you want to get planted in this community, show back up at 1215 right in this space. Are you planting yourself in a mission that isn't all about you? I asked this question earlier. I want to close with a question. What are you doing with what you are hearing from Jesus? Some of you, he's been saying to you for days, weeks, months, maybe years, turn your life over to me. And you just sort of dismiss it, or maybe you've outright rejected it. And I want to say today, why not put into practice what we've been taught today? Why not say, okay, and respond and surrender? Others of you, you've been Christians for a while, and what the Spirit of God has been saying to you, hey, it's time for baptism. It's time for you to identify your faith in Jesus. It's time to go public. God's saying there's going to be things, not because there's magic in baptism, but there's something powerful that gets unlocked when you and I declare our faith in Jesus that opens up things for us on the other side of that. And today... You're hearing him say that, and it's time for you. As soon as I end up praying, I need you to meet me over here by the baptism pool and join the three people who are already going forward with their faith today. Are we going to really just keep putting off what we hear? Are we really going to keep putting off what he's told us to do? Some of you, you need to go reconcile with a friend because of what Jesus has said. Some of you need to go own some things with your parents or with your children and say, hey, I want to let you get by with this. I let myself get by with it. I'm sorry for the way I spoke to you yesterday. God is going to do something through a unified church that's filled with the Spirit about a mission greater than itself and is filled with people who love hearing the Word of God taught. They love reading it in their alone time, but they also realize, I've got to go do something with this. So the ball's in your court. What are you going to do with it? Let me pray for us. I'm going to pray, and I would love for you to join us over here by the baptism pool. If, that you, if you know that's a step, we've got clothes for all of you, boys, girls, men, women. We would love to help you practice what we've been teaching on. God, thank you for your kindness. Even for those of us who might feel some conviction, like, oh my gosh, that's why I'm not growing. I've, I've not been doing anything with all of this. God, but today in your kindness, what you are offering us is, hey, step back into it. Act on what you're hearing. God, I pray that you would give us courage to do something with what you're saying to us. God, maybe for the first-time guest who's very foreign to this idea of church, maybe, maybe what they would practice is just like, hey, I, I, I want to I get a little further engaged in this. I, I want to understand more about this. So maybe they just make a commitment to, to show up here or to ask someone who brought them here, hey, tell me about this. God, for some of us, we just started asking reasonable but yet self-absorbed questions over the last two years. And we blamed you for things that we need to take responsibility for ourselves. And so would you, would you lead us? Would you open our hearts? Jesus, for those of us who've had hard hearts and kind of refuse to see the claims that you make, would you, 
you, in a metaphorical way, would you take the lamp from under the bowl and under the bed and would you put it on its stand? Help us to see right now. Thank you for coming to reveal God to us. Thank you that you haven't left us in the dark. Thank you that even when we go to do what you've told us to do, you go with us by the power of your spirit. Today, anyone, everyone else's eyes closed, but anyone would just raise your hand and say, today needs to be my day. Today I've heard. I need to put my faith in Jesus today. Anyone for whom that's where you are today. And then again, after I invite us to stand, if you know that baptism is a step for you to take, would you join us there? So let's go ahead and stand. We're going to sing about the reality that our life is continuing to be built on Christ And we can trust him to bring light and to bring life and to bring hope and to bring joy and to bring peace and to bring freedom. If you don't know this, we'd love to have a conversation with you right over to my right. Let's respond. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the Epic SF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco.